When I was about 19 years of age, I remember my fascination with something I began to notice in the Bible. You see, I had developed a misbelief, a wrong belief, that Christians were kind of somehow a subgroup on the planet, that we were kind of following the world. The world has the best singers, the best leaders, the best financiers, and the church, we're just kind of this little subgroup, and you know, and, and we just got to try our best. But the more I began to read the Word, I began to find out that we were to be in lead head position. We were to be the head and not the tail. As I begin to dive into this topic, I begin to realize that being a born-again believer wasn't something that made us a subgroup. It should make us a superhuman species. And this desire permeates the human race. We see it in the movies that are made, whether it's Wolverine, Superman, Supergirl, uh, Batman. They're fascinated that people can have this giftedness that isn't being seen. And actually, that kind of heart cry that comes out of those who write movies and comics is something that is legitimate. In the Garden of Eden, Adam, the, if you were to go back and watch Adam and Eve, they would not function like the people of today. They did have a physical body. They had five senses. But there was another side to them that we predominantly rarely see in the human race today. You see, God created human beings in His likeness and image. He did not create animals in His likeness and image. And so we are to have abilities and function in the God class. That does not mean that you are equal with God. That does not mean that, that you and I... But at the same time, God calls us children. And we need to understand the supernatural, beyond natural ability that is yours for wisdom, healing, building relationships, companies, leading, etc. When I first got into this, I had something that happened to me that just freaked me out. I was new into this that, you know, that I could be a man, a leader, a husband, a dad. I could be an entrepreneur. I could be someone that functioned at a level that what gave me an unfair advantage over the people around me. And one day, I was single, and, and uh, you know, Dan Johnson, one of the pastors here, him and I lived together for a period of time before we uh, married our, you know, our now wives. And, but I remember going to bed that night, and for a snack, I grabbed an orange. I was really tired, and I grabbed a serrated uh, bread knife, put it on the orange, and I'm sawing back and forth as I'm looking at something. And I went through the orange, and I caught my pointing finger on my left hand at the second knuckle and just kind of cut that whole fat pad muscle and just kind of cut it out. And it just kind of was flapping off my finger and all the orange juice <laughs> just flooded into that wound. 
And I remember, oh, it was so much pain. I looked down, I couldn't believe I was that stupid using a knife incorrectly. But I had this huge flap of meat that was just hanging off this finger. And I remember just sticking it back in place, grabbing some tape and taping it in back into place on my finger. And it was bedtime. And I remember I was just going through and studying in the word about the spoken word, about the established heart, about the miraculous is supposed to be around us, within us. And so I spoke to the finger and I said, in Jesus' name, you just be healed. And I went to bed. It was kind of throbbing and hurting and went to bed that night. And I woke up in the morning and I looked around and there was blood all over my sheets. And this fear kind of came upon me. Then I just stopped and I just said, no, I want to thank you, Father, that in the name of Jesus, that finger is healed. So I walked out of my bedroom and I began to peel this tape off. And it wasn't a band-aid, so, you know, that's not really good because it sticks to both pieces and it rips it open, but it didn't. And I looked down on my finger and it was completely healed. And I remember showing Dan and going, do you remember last night? Look, it wasn't just healing, it was finished. You see a faint scar and it was completely together. And, and I thought to myself, this is crazy. It's like the healing process sped up. And I became fascinated with, is this even possible? Is this just, does God just do miracles when he wants? And that's the doctrine of many, 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 many Christians today, is that God parcels out miracles kind of as he wills, and he parcels out miracles if you're good enough or you've been living right enough. But as I dove into this topic of there are abilities and giftedness and things in a born-again believer's life that none of us have stepped across the threshold and learned to walk in. Now, we can walk in our five senses. We're very, some people have very good visual gifts, and they can design, uh, and, you know, and they can create. Some have good audio gifts. Man, the sounds they listen to and the music that they write. And some are very tactile with their hands. They can do incredible things. Now, all that giftedness is way below still what you and I should be able to do as a born-again follower of Jesus Christ. Your human spirit... Okay, your human spirit does not know everything. And so when you gave your life to Jesus Christ and he forgave your sins, uh, took away the curse, Jesus did that from the cross to the throne, but you finally accept this, the Holy Spirit who knows everything and who has all power resides in your human spirit. And so you must learn to listen to your human spirit because it is connected to the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us that, for example, when we pray in an unknown tongue, like in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says, your spirit prays. He's not saying Holy Spirit is praying. He's saying your spirit prays and it prays the perfect will of God, the mysteries, because Holy Spirit within is communing with you at the spirit level. But the Bible says, but your mind can 
often not even understand what's going on. That's why when, as a spirit-filled person, we talk about praying in other tongues, praying in the spirit. You are praying mysteries to God. You are praying the perfect will of God. It's not a mystery to God. But something begins to happen as you pray the perfect will over your finances, your family, your home, your future. He knows. You see, we live in a world where the enemy is always attacking. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that he is stealing, killing, destroying. He wants to steal your business. He wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to kill you physically. And he is doing it in so many Christians' lives. And they'll say, well, if it happens, Leon, it was God's will. They call it the sovereignty doctrine. And it's just ridiculous. Now, when you take a look, and I want to talk a little bit about this today. When you take a look at your relationship with God, one group in the ditch, for every mile of truth, there's two miles of ditch. The group in the ditch on one side, when they say God is sovereign, they don't mean all-powerful, which is what the word means. They mean he's in absolute control of everything. Well, that's not true because free will is completely taught in the Bible that you can do whatever you want. Ephesians 2.10 Amplified says God's prepared a path for you to walk and that you should walk in it. He says he's not making you walk in it, that you should. So this free will allows you to listen to him or not listen to him. Say, well, Leon, um, if it's God's will, it happens. No, there's a verse in the Bible that says God's will is that nobody perish, but that all come to uh, a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, that's his will, but it's not happening. And so I begin to look and dive into the word of God and go, well, what's my part? What's God's part? Because one group says, well, just live your life because if it happens, it's God's will. So that's kind of really hurtful because a 10-year-old boy who talked to me one time and was cursing at God because mom died and a preacher told him that Jesus needed another flower in heaven and it was God's will that his mom die and he watched her die and he hated God because of this and I told him no it wasn't God's will but we live in a fallen world and stuff happens and God's trying to cause us to rise up and learn to live and to function with all of this spiritual power and Holy Spirit's guidance to walk out and to win and to overcome the affairs of life. So as I begin to look at this, okay, so then there's the other group. Now, they just believe that you learn the principles, you learn the spiritual laws, you put them into work, and uh, they're going to work. So this mechanical Christianity has no relationship. Then the group on the other side, it's all relationship, and God's ultimately in control of every factor of everything in your life, and it's, it's somewhere in the middle, and the Bible's very clear. The Bible teaches us that as a new creation, that God and His grace, Jesus died for you. He took all your sin. Then He took the curse of the law when He went to hell. He rose again with a new life so you could be born again and live at a completely higher level on this planet. But you've got an enemy. And Jesus went to the right hand of the Father to be your representative, to establish and to maintain that 
He's the only one in heaven with scars, nail holes in his hands, scars on his head, the hole in his side, his feet, to say, this is the proof. The price has been paid and you get to live even before you get to heaven. His will on earth is as it is in heaven. Yet people don't see that. So God, he brings into this relationship with you as a born again believer, his grace. Which means his ability comes to you as a favor. Grace his favor. But it's not just a favor. It's his ability to you as a favor. Well, what's our part? Well, the Bible's very clear that what overcomes this world, 1 John 5, 4, is your faith. Well, then the Bible says your faith without works, which means corresponding actions, is dead. So God provides His grace, it's a done deal, His ability, this love uh, as a favor to you, but you appropriate this by walking in faith and using corresponding actions. I can know what the spirit of faith is like in you by looking at your talking, your actions, your living. Now, as you and I learn to get into God's Word, we are to live on this planet like Jesus. Now there's a picture that people can't wrap their heads around. Jesus said that the things that I do shall ye do. He did not say except. So what are the things Jesus did? Well, healing flowed off of him to others. This healing kept him healthy his entire life. When storms blew to kill him, he spoke to them. When he was doing things like paying his taxes, there was supernatural giftedness financially. This Jesus who walked the planet knew things about people, was guided by the Holy Spirit. And so you and I are to live our lives just like, and, and there's a verse in the Bible that says, as he is, so are we in this world. So somewhere there has been a great disconnect to the Christian church. And we have been taught, be good, work on your sin, one day you'll go to heaven. And so people love to say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, usually because they're just trying to make allowances for the things they can't seem to control. They're trying to be humble. Um, but the Bible doesn't say to the saints at Corinth or to the sinners at Corinth, it says to the saints at Corinth. So today in this message, I want you to understand that you can live in your five senses and in your humanness. But you are not just human. You are made in the likeness and the image of God himself. And so this duality comes together. You're in God's family. So Cam Fontaine was my earthly father. Jackie Fontaine is my earthly mother. But this Leon Fontaine is also made in the likeness and the image of God. Now I've got some of my dad's physical attributes. 
And when I meet with my mom, I've got some of her physical attributes. I've picked up some of my dad's strengths, and I've picked up some of my mom's strengths. I function because they raised me. But there is a part of me that is made in the likeness and the image of God. Now, because I'm born again, as I learn to spend time with Him in the Word, and I feed on the Word, this is a download of the supernatural side of me. My parents helped me to download the natural side, but the supernatural side, and they taught me how to, it, it comes from the presence of God and His Word. So you've got a choice. You go ahead and keep failing in areas, keep looking at the future going, well, I sure hope things are going to be okay. Or you rise up and you become an overcomer. You rise up and you become a person who speaks to storms and mountains and they obey. You become the person that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it quickens your mortal body. It makes you alive with the presences of God. How could God make a salamander which you can cut off its tail and it grows it back. There are other animals on this planet that have stunning, phenomenal abilities to recreate themselves when they're injured or hurt, but to think that wouldn't be given to God's creation, the human race. I haven't got time to dive into this, but the human being, the way he was and she were created in the garden, there's no semblance really to it today. And only a born-again believer can begin to live out this different life. It is a life of literally living and overcoming. Now, in the Old Testament, God chose leaders and He would come and do miracles with them. And, and so you had to wait to see what God was going to do. Moses actually said, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Elijah, as a prophet of God, did seven major miracles in his ministry. Elisha, his successor, did 14. And they would not move till the Spirit of God came upon them. Well, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, you are a new creation and the Spirit of God never leaves you. Never leaves you. Always residing in your, in your born-again spirit. And so we, might, we are to get up and live. In the Old Testament, we have David, the most amazing warrior, Solomon, the most brilliant leader. We've got, I mean, Ruth and Esther and Moses and Joshua. We got Samson with incredible giftedness. Samuel, who not one word from his mouth fell to the ground, and they're not even born-again people yet. Then we come over to the New Covenant, and we find out that Holy Spirit is going to show us things to come. Did you know that as you dive into the teaching of the New Testament, that you're going to find out that Holy Spirit will, as you begin to learn to feed on God's Word, the bread of life, to fellowship with Holy Spirit, He shows you things to come. He searches your heart. And as he begins to reveal his will for you, he'll push out the desires that are wrong, the beliefs that are not right. And he begins to prepare your heart and establish it in grace. 
as you begin to recognize that, that you must download the Word of God and you can renew your mind. You can literally um, make your body a living sacrifice. You can establish your heart. I'm going to give you four things in closing that I work on all the time. Four things that, that often I'll tell people about, oh yeah, but these are the things that help you as a human being on this planet to walk in supernatural manifestations of health, prosperity, knowing what to do in situations. You see, God's Word will tell you who you are in Christ. It'll show you what you can do. It'll show you who you are. It will touch you, empower you, make you strong. But it will not show you your calling. It will not show you the path specifically prepared for you. That is Holy Spirit's job. So you need the Word and you need Holy Spirit. So let's run through really quickly some of the things you're going to find in God's Word. Number one, I meditate in the Word of God daily meditate. I don't just read it. I don't read a book or a chapter in the Bible as a storybook. I feed on it. I think about it. I allow Holy Spirit to reveal it to me. As you meditate in the Word, something happens to you as you begin to rise up and live. You literally begin to live and you get better and better at it. Did you know that in Hebrews chapter 5 and chapter 6, there is a stunning thing taught to us there. It says, and Paul, the writer, is saying, it's time that you grow up. He said, move on from elementary baby-like teachings, or not baby-like, but the, the, the primary first teachings about Jesus, getting born again, you get to go to heaven, um, you know, and he says, there are elementary teachings and it's time to move on. In chapters 5 and in chapter 6, it says things like maturing in the Word will give you an incredible ability to know what to do, the wisdom to understand where to go. So meditating in the Word, and you know, one of the struggles that every pastor has when they preach is to entertain all the shallow people or to teach the Word of God to those who want to plant it in their hearts, who want to mature in the Word of God. If I want to get up and just tell five stories and give you one point to encourage you this week, encouraging you isn't going to last. I've told the story in teaching before that if my, if my neighbor is building a garage, and as I drive off to work and he's sitting there hammering in the nails and sawing the two by fours, and I say, man, you're the man, looks good. You're doing great. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Hey, thanks, Leon. But if I do that every day, that encouragement, and he's struggling and his weeks are going by, but if I go over there and teach him how to use my air nailer, bam, 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 bam. Teach them how to use a circular saw, a miter saw. Teach them all these new skills and give them depth of ability. Now he can build quicker and encourage himself. This is the thing about God. You can just keep encouraging Christians. Oh, you're going to make it. You'll be okay. God loves you. He's in control. Just kind of teach 
Kathy and candy to an already diabetic Christian, it, it's not getting anywhere. But to teach you the Word of God, to encourage you, to you meditate in the Word every day, and you will grow up. You will move into a level where, 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 that you've never been before. Most Christians tell me, Leon, the happiest I've been was when I first got born again. I led more people to Jesus. I prayed and saw miracles. And then it all kind of just wah, wah. And I got into the routine of being a Christian. Well, you missed it because it's supposed to get better. The light's supposed to grow brighter. You are to rise up and every year of your life, as you mature, you should operate in more of the Holy Spirit's gifts. You should function in the strengths of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5. You should literally be doing greater and better in every area of your life as you mature because supernatural ability is now coming to you. So number one, meditate in the Word of God daily. Number two, practice the Word of God. Do you know how many people read and meditate in the Word and have all these great revelations and they never practice it? I had a friend that I won to the Lord when I was a paramedic and, and you know, and, and he's still serving the Lord, I guess, I don't know. But he just loved the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, but practiced none of it. But he liked to debate and argue and, and think he was smarter. But you couldn't see in his life he didn't practice any of God's Word. He was failing at everything, but he always had a deeper excuse as to why. So we've got to meditate in the Word, and then we've got to practice the Word. Because faith without at works is dead. Faith without corresponding actions. Get up and get moving. Speak the Word. Begin to act on the Word. The third thing is give the Word of God first place. God's Word is not 23rd on your list. I have no problem with people giving me wisdom and finances, doctors and health, uh, you know, and, and whatever I need to grow and flow and move and learn in this world. But I give God's Word first place in my life because He will guide you and He will lead you. You can't let God's Word be somewhere down the list, but I'm going to do exactly what these experts say. There is nobody on the planet who's an expert on the human body, an expert on finance, an expert. They know some stuff. But the God of the universe that created the human race knows a billion times more than them. Give the Word of God first place in your life. As I lead this church and, and the television stations and the school, I am continually learning management and learning leadership, understanding personality types to build teams and groups. Keep, you know, yes, but I give the Word of God first place. And as I dive into God's Word, His Word makes me strong and healthy. And, and, and it literally, the Holy Spirit begins to bring up the Word in my guidance of it. So give the Word of God first place. And number four, instantly obey the voice of your spirit. As you renew your mind with God's Word and establish your heart in grace, your spirit and, your, and Holy Spirit is in your spirit. He's continually speaking God because you are the Spirit. Holy Spirit's in there. And many times your mind will not understand because your mind's designed to contact the physical world. Your spirit's designed to contact the spirit world. So to shut down your spirit or to never develop it, you know, your heart, and then to develop your five senses is to literally cripple you to the best you could be. 
develop these things in the physical world, and then make sure you understand that the Bible, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. He didn't say flesh and natural life. He said spirit and zoe life, the life that is in heaven. God's will for you on this earth is as it is in heaven. Let's live this new year out in a way that says there's nothing stopping me. You know, one of the things God has so put in my spirit is this world has yet to see a man or a woman who does all that God has placed within them in their lifetime. I feel today so many times and that you know I'm just learning. Boy, I wish I knew this 40 years ago or 28 years ago when I started the church. I wish I'd have known this. And you could almost get discouraged. But as you begin to grow and mature in God's Word and in your relationship with Holy Spirit, He will take the Word of God and He will help to guide you and lead you. It's the, Jesus said, when Holy Spirit comes, He will show you things to come in your life. As you fellowship with Him, He begins to place within you. He begins to search your heart. What does that mean? It means that things that shouldn't be there, wrong dreams, wrong beliefs, doubt is an opposing belief to what God's Word says. That's why he calls doubting an, a, a, an evil report. When you say, well, you know, I think this, nothing's ever going to happen. The second you start to say these things, that's called an evil report. You are not saying what God's Word says. You're saying what the enemy wants your mouth to declare. So he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. My time is up, but I want you to understand something. Make a decision this year that I can continue to get better at just the physical side of my life, or I can begin to renew my mind with the Word, establish my heart. That's, I don't mean your physical heart, but that center of your being, this, this identity and of who you are, and allow Holy Spirit to guide me, and I'm going to live in a supernatural way, which will affect every area of my life, and it will help me to overcome to rise up and to live, the Bible says in the New Covenant, you are to live in a constant triumphal procession, meaning that you literally are to win in every area. Believe that. Dive in. And let's get up this year. Join me. That's my desire and my dream for our life. Let's live in constant victory over all that we're doing. Praise the Lord. Father, I pray right now that you would guide us, lead us. I pray that every person listening to me in this parking lot and around the world will decide that as I feast on your word, the bread of life, and commune with Holy Spirit, that I'm going to live a life that this world has never seen. And Father, they're attracted to Jesus, His peace, His joy, His love in us. And as they see the victory in our lives and our ability to handle storms and problems, Father, we're going to reach this world for Jesus Christ. We're going to reach this province. We're going to reach this nation. We're going to bring this good news to the world. And Father, I thank you for this, this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.